you are about 90% correct. Ooh, that's, that's better than usual, Travis. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you look at like the different classes, so f- for quick comparison's sake, uh, for 4,400, completely unlimited. You do whatever you want in 4,400, run with your brung as long as you meet the safety requirements. Well, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show roundtable. We do these, we record these every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, uh, using the magic of Zoom. I'm sure that uh, any of you guys that have uh, made it through the last uh, two, two and a half years, three years, know about Zoom. That's the uh, work at home, uh, uh, I don't know, online meeting type thing that I'm sure many of you guys have used. Well, we use it for uh, recording our roundtable episodes. And tonight we have a guest on our roundtable. Uh, and uh, we uh, we really appreciate Brandon uh, being here with us. Uh, Brandon is with Gearhead Fabworks. Uh, we're going to be talking to Brandon here in just a moment and uh, letting you know uh, more about him and uh, Gearhead Fabworks. Uh, and if you were in the Zoom meeting, you would actually be able to t- ask questions of Brandon tonight. So you never know when we're going to have uh, just random questions for uh, Jeep-related questions to answer uh, for the group or when we're going to have an interview. Well, tonight we're having an interview. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Dog Show. With Wimby. There will be body damage. Jock. I like making people laugh. That's It's good for my soul. Jock. Yeah, I don't think so. And well, I think that's a huge deal. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. Ah, yes. And as I like to say, Heidi ho, Jeepers. Uh, we're going to be talking with Brandon tonight. He uh, caught the Jeep bug at 16 years old, went off-roading one time, and he was hooked. Fast forward a few years, and he did his first axle swap at 20 and learned a lot of fabrication skills. He sold that Jeep, built a couple of more, and each one had uh, even a bigger undertaking than the last. Uh, fast forward again to present day at 31 years old. He has a 1968 Jeepster they call the ultra four jeepster uh it's uh, his uh u4 i believe ultra four inspired 4800 spec build uh plan is for king of the hammers 2023 uh to see what she's really got brandon that sounds like it's uh, scarier than hell the thought of taking a jeepster i mean those things like a 1968 jeepster what are you going to do if you break it oh man it's a uh it's not really a jeepster anymore i guess <laughs> uh, all that's left of it is just the skins yeah you have the grill the hood and the cowl and that's it and of course all three of those are modified they're all narrowed and so you know anything past that there's nothing left it just has a rough shape of a jeepster at this point it was completely rotted out there was nothing that you could salvage on it okay. so at that point it the only thing that lives on is the soul. Right. Well, I give my uh, one of my co-hosts a hard time. He has a, a CJ, I forget which one it is, uh, as a desk for his office. So he's got the front of the, you know, the the hood portion of it. And they've got a couple of tires that are kind of cut in half uh, on the sides there. And I always give him a hard time. I said, you, that's a Jeep that could be uh, having fun off-road and, and you've butchered it. And now it's a, like a museum piece for you. And uh, he, he always tells me, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be the, the easy way to put it of course but uh you know maybe, maybe there's a story behind it there's the only way to salvage it i don't know oh yeah yeah but well he won't he me, won't that, he won't justify it though that's what i wanted to do i wanted him to justify it to me <laughs> yeah, 
he's got to have something. There's a secret somewhere. No, it's, uh, that's a bucket list, though. I'd love to have one hanging off the wall or something like that or turn it into a desk. Uh-huh. But uh, no, I, I would be disheartened like you are. It has to be a, a scrap metal at that point. So Yeah. So let me ask you something. I don't know a lot about off-road racing other than it's a, an off-road vehicle going fast, which kind of <laughs> it's like military <laughs> intelligence or jumbo shrimp to me it just seems like it you know it, you, you should be slow and crawling over things so what makes it an ultra four what makes this jeepster an ultra four uh so you, you know if you know anything about ultra four in general you're talking about vehicles that essentially stemmed from uh two basic categories you had trophy trucks and you had rock crawlers and for the longest time, you can never really do well at both of those. But with Ultra 4, they started pushing the envelope with that and they started making it so you could do 120 through the desert, bombing through all the whoops, you know, whether they're three feet deep or what, and then go five miles an hour over the rocks that are as tall as you are. I mean, it's, it's insane to be able to make a vehicle do both. And they've pushed the technology in the last about 15 years or so. And uh, basically, that's uh, I dreamt of building an Ultra 4 car one day. Since about 2010, I started watching those. And it was like, it it makes your heart just pound when you're watching it. And uh, it's way better when you're actually driving. And so that's what kind of inspired this build. It was a... just scrap metal essentially at that point there's no saving it and i was like well i'm gonna build a buggy and might as well make it go fast and uh but also it's it's something you can also take out and crawl with if you want so Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a perk to it i can you know drive it around recreationally it's actually titled as a jeepster and i do have it registered here in michigan so uh i I don't know that is technically legal but (laughs) it's legal-ish yeah yeah it's got a plate on it i can drive it to work so that that's a uh huge perk i guess so oh yeah if the end of the world happens you'll be able to get to get to work and that's they always appreciate that uh (laughs) so that's that's a really good explanation i understand exactly what you're talking about now and i can't help but think this would be like a a, a police pursuit nightmare because you literally would be able to go fast and anywhere (laughs) you know that was actually i daydream of that i'm like you know if, if i was ever like in trouble and i had no responsibilities necessarily the police you know tried to pull me over in this thing I don't know if I would stop, but uh, what a what a great YouTube video! You just need to hire you some uh, some rent a cops uh, <laughs> for the video. <laughs> oh man, don't don't tempt me! I have seriously considered it. I thought it'd be cool as cool as heck, you know. And I'm right here near Flint, so I've got a ton of old GM uh, areas, of warehouses, and stuff like that, or that are all old and abandoned and destroyed. And I thought that'd be like the yeah. coolest videos, just ripping through all those buildings and stuff, police chasing and stuff. Yeah, we'll see if I can make that happen. But I'm sure there's some lawyers that have to be involved. Wow, I, I was just thinking, Flint, Michigan. That's uh, that place has uh, Leadfoot has a couple of meanings there, doesn't it? Yes. It too does. soon? Was that too that soon? It does. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> you know, you're probably not the first. I'll tell you that. So, you know. 
I'm not sensitive to it, but All I'm right. sure somebody is. There was a long pause there. I thought you might be thinking about hitting the hang-up button. Ah, this, this bastard, they going to make fun of lead poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't technically affected by it. I knew a few people that were, you know, but they were all older and they, they didn't have any health issues. You know, it was, uh, it was really just the young kids, unfortunately, yeah. but... Yeah, I get, I digress. You well, know, you know, it. it didn't affect me. I used to have a, a Sheridan 5mm uh, uh, air rifle, and uh, I would take those lead pellets mm-hmm. and hold them in my mouth, you know, for faster reloading. I mean, I wouldn't spit it into the gun or anything, but I'd just have it there, take it out of my mouth and put it uh, put it thing. And it didn't, it didn't affect me. It hasn't affected me at all. <laughs> so You know, well, well... It could be debatable, you know, depending on who you're talking to. So, well, don't talk to my wife. You know, that's a bad person to ask what's wrong with me. So, King of the Hammers 2023 is this the first time to be in King of the Hammers for you, or uh, is it just the first time for the Jeepster? So, you know, kind of a, a unfortunate, you know, event uh, led up to the last uh, couple weeks or so. Um, we're not going to make it Aww. to. KOH 23. It is what it is. You know, we've, we've kind of, we're living with it at this point, but, uh, it, uh, it was going to be the first King of the Hammers for us. Um, you know, there's still, uh, a slight debate of going out there and just helping out other teams and everything, you know, but there was a, uh, you know, cost benefit ratio there. Uh, but you know, we were waiting on some parts that we were having custom made and, they were supposed to be essentially debuted between myself and a sponsor of mine. And it didn't work out with the timeline of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the parts aren't here. I can't build the rest of the axles. And so I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. Axles are kind of important to, to be out there and go and do things. So, yeah, yeah. so let me, uh, let me ask you a quick question. Let me you know, get you over to uh, the business, the gearhead fab works. Uh, what do you do there at Gearhead Fabworks besides uh, work on the uh, the Jeepster? So Gearhead Fabworks, you know, a lot of it started out just working, you know, small, no-name jobs and everything, helping out Joe Schmo. It was a lot of uh, word of mouth. I, I didn't really uh, plan on making it a large business or anything, and, and I'm not really there. But it a few years back, just started working for people down the road, uh, helping out people on their cars and their frames or whatnot. They'd bring me whatever they could. And I would weld it up and everybody kept complimenting it. And it just kept developing. And maybe I got too big of a head for myself or something. I started teaching myself how to become a better fabricator. And then lo and behold, I got infatuated with TIG welding. Then I got infatuated with... uh, 3d CAD design and then it was just a hyper fixation after hyper fixation so lo and behold at this point i now uh, have a few years under my belt of uh designing and building chassis uh anywhere between drag racing cars and off-road racing cars to just general uh frame reconstruction for your on-road cars you know we'll do like back half kits and stuff like that front half kits, uh, a lot of suspension design. And then I've really started dabbling in the last year or so in some heavy CAD work and redefining how I use that. And that has actually led to a few other things. And at this point, I don't do 
a crap ton for myself or for gearhead fabworks, if you will. A lot of what I do is kind of behind the scenes. And so I help other businesses design components and uh, assemblies for their products. And I help network to some extent to get those products streamlined and get them out on the market. Oftentimes with no, um, you know, no accolades or anything, but you know, most recently I've gotten to help out, which is one of my sponsors, American iron off road, a super cool guy over there, Josh Dodsworth. And I, Got to help him and Innovative Machining Solutions out with building their 14-bolt housings. For uh, It's a fabricated 14-bolt. And we were basically shooting to make basically the strongest fabricated axle on the market. And I think, you know, arguably, I think we've done it. And the problem is, those are the parts I'm waiting on. So... I can't uh I can't prove that to anybody yet. Mm-hmm. But we have all the I built five axle housings for them and I've started building my front housings and stuff here and then my rear housing and I mean it's it's going to be pretty sick to see those things out there cuz you're talking about a, uh, a typically for Ultra 4 you see a Ford 10 inch uh third member in their fabricated housings. And in reality, the actual diameter of the ring gear is 9.4 inches. Uh, it's just based on a 10-inch gear pattern. The 14 bolt is a true 10.5-inch ring gear, which is ginormous. Yeah, I was thinking it was. That. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're talking more than an inch difference, and it's going to handle way more torque, power, tire size, whatever you can throw at it. And this is exactly what Ultra 4, you know, trophy trucks, uh, rock bouncers, exactly what they need. Well, it's all about uh, it's all about uh, keeping it uh, together uh, in an extreme environment uh, with lots of power. And uh, that's that's kind of the trick. And I think that's one of the reasons why businesses like being involved in that, that, that stuff so much because of the, what they learn uh, and what they can put in our, our standard uh, drive down the street vehicles and uh, make things last. Uh, we, we always talk about fuse uh, using uh, like a, a U-joint or uh, something being the fuse that's going to break. You know, what do you want breaking? you want something easy to replace and cheap, or do you want to beef that up and then uh, snap an axle or something? So it sounds like you uh, you go down that uh, that road. Now, Gearhead Fabworks, do you, uh, do you still deal with the public, or are you just doing uh, behind-the-scenes work? So... Most of what I do is behind the scenes, but the big push lately is to start uh, really dealing more with the public. Uh, A lot of what I do is just through social media and everything. So I have two Instagram accounts and I have my Ultra 4 Jeepster and then I have my Gearhead Fabworks. Gotcha. Gearhead Fabworks came late. Ultra 4 Jeepster has been there for a little bit longer and that's the one that most people see. Oh, okay. And I I get messages all day long on there. And it's, uh, that's where I do a lot of my work is just on there. You know, people see something that I post up, you know, just recently I posted up some, uh, Ram mount clamps for my full hydraulic steering Ram. 
And I designed those in CAD, sent them off to a buddy down the road, had a machine them for me, brought them back. They fit like a glove. It's like, awesome, post it up. And sure enough, you know, I've got 10 messages from people saying, hey, I'm ready to buy a pair. It, it's so cool when you come up with a need and that other people uh, need it as well. It's, it's, it's very gratifying. So uh, you do not have a website per se. You are, your company, Gearhead Fabworks, is on Facebook. Is that correct? It is, it is on Facebook. Uh, I do have a website uh, domain name, and we are in the midst of building it. Okay, it's been a slow process. Oh yeah, well, well, you're trying to do you're trying to work and, and not not build websites. So, so I just want to mention to folks that if they go to facebook.com/slash/gearheadfabworks, they can look and get more information about uh, about that uh, about your business. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, as things progress, you know, my URL will be on there eventually for the website. Oh, so, yeah, of course. Eventually, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll be fancy one day and I'll have a link <laughs> tree and all that. So. Again, busy making things and making money. Uh, so it's, uh, it's all, that's important. So you're, and I believe you mentioned this, you're in Michigan. Uh, people would go to Gearhead Fabworks to find out how to contact you if they wanted to, to get some work done, whether it's uh, behind the scenes or directly on their vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. That's great. Okay, so facebook.com slash gearheadfabworks. Uh, so uh, go there now. All right, Zoom people, uh, we're going to get over to you here in just a second. I want to remind everybody that uh, this is a, a question and answer uh, for Brandon and uh, Gearhead Fabworks. I hope I got that uh, Facebook thing in there, uh, 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 giving you enough time to pull stuff up so you can generate some questions you may have. Uh, and uh, I mean, pretty much anything under the sun, I mean, Ultra 4 or uh, axles or anything else that you want to ask Brandon about. Uh, and I, I didn't clear that with Brandon, so I'm just uh, saying it's okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you would, please say, uh, well, if it's your first time speaking, first time asking a question here on the show tonight, mention your name and about where you're located. All right, Zoom people, it's over to you. Do you have any questions for Brandon? Start with a nice hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, guys. This is Larry from St. Louis area. So just out of curiosity, it looks like on your website, you, or, or I should say your Facebook page, that uh, you got a lot, some really nice welding on there. So is all that just from, I'll say, trial by fire and learning, or do <laughs> you have any training in the background, or how did, how did that well, evolve for you? So... I want to say it was about a, it'd be about 12 years ago or so now. I started working for an engineering corporation uh, not too far from home. And they basically handed me a MIG torch from a Miller machine <laughs> and they used spray technique and said, hey, you point, shoot, and you melt that stuff together. Uh, don't blow through it, don't make it look sloppy. And, you know, they, they give you a few pointers in between. But it wasn't a training, and it uh, it only taught you how to use that specific machine. It wasn't until I started really doing my personal axle swap the first time and doing my own suspension work and everything that I learned. Um, I I would say like for a big pointer to learn that stuff is it really it's time. You need to have a lot of hood time and everything. Just you know doing whatever scrap metal you can find. You know, I give scrap metal to buddies all the time if they just want to practice on certain 
uh, joints or thicknesses or whatever. I got all kinds of crap they can take out of my shop. Like I, I don't need it anymore. And uh, they'll just practice before they go and lay a bead on their personal vehicle so they know roughly what it's going to be like. But it's a, it's really just time. And that's the same thing with TIG welding. I taught myself how to TIG weld. And the first few beads I laid, I was uh, I was upset. <laughs> I didn't want to do it ever again. And then uh, just <laughs> sometimes sharpening you get back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't even want to know how many <laughs> tungsten dips I've had in my life. So. Oh, yeah. Larry's uh, Larry's our big welder. He actually has a, a YouTube channel, uh, Jeeping Mo, and uh, he does a lot of uh, welding type stuff uh, on his uh, his YouTube channel. I've never welded. I've always wanted to uh, to do that because I think it's a critical thing. Uh, just just repairs, uh, frame repairs. When they if you crack the frame, it's nice to drill a hole and and uh, weld the thing up. And uh, I, 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 one of these days, I'm going to get one. I, I think I'm about to clean the garage first, though. Yeah, you know, and today, I mean, the market is flooded with options out there for mm-hmm. machines you can get. You know, I, of course, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to always point you towards a blue machine that says Miller on the side. That's going to be hard for somebody who is tied on a budget, and I get that. And if you're just doing general occasional repairs, go with something else. I mean, it's it's tough to point you in that direction unless you have I money think, to burn. Oh yeah, I think but, I've had a Hobart, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, in my Amazon oh, yeah. uh, wish list for a long time. Ooh, that's how I started. That was my first welder. Yeah, it seems so that, to be that, a good those start. Those things will handle pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think my wife I started will, welding too much. I think I think my wife will be upset because the uh, the dryer will be unplugged all the time because I'll have the welder connected to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have a splitter you can plug into that. <laughs> oh, good! Well, I can pop breakers too, so this is great. <laughs> I can't really condone it, but I've seen it done. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Any anybody else got a question for Brandon? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, gosh, I know some of you guys are interested in axle builds. Hey, Brandon, this is Matt uh, from North Carolina. Uh, I know everybody talks about King of the Hammers, but there's a lot more Ultra 4 stuff. I mean, one of them, uh, East Tennessee, I know has AOP and stuff. Have you looked at doing any of the other events, and uh, or have you done some? Uh, yeah, so this year, uh, since we didn't make KOH, that's, that's fine. Um, we do plan on hitting up the East Coast series. So I believe what we're shooting for is at minimum uh, Kentucky, I believe AOP, and I want to say Crandon. I think that was the third one. And there was two more races that we were planning on uh, running, I believe, which was MAO. Uh, I think that's part of Visions, if I'm not mistaken. It's down in Oklahoma. Uh, That's kind of a east and west coast thing everybody's going there for i want to say that's somewhere around mid-season um if you go to ultra four uh ultra four racing.com they should have the schedule on there and it's pretty cool how they have it laid out so they have i think three races for west three races for east uh solely and then a couple of mixed races which are uh required if you're going for a national championship I highly doubt we're going to get a national national championship, especially missing KOH. But 
you know, we're going to go out and have some fun. Uh, I think Kentucky's the first race. It's April, I believe. So that's down in a rush, Kentucky. So uh, we should be ready for that one. Parts should be here soon. Are you having a problem with supply chain? Uh, is that the reason why you're uh, waiting on the parts? You know, I don't have a good answer for it. It's just been, I think the machine shop that is doing everything, uh, they are completely overloaded with work. I think it's because there's just not enough of them. There's not enough machine shops and they do custom one-off stuff and high-end stuff for uh, Dodge Hellcats, for all the diesel uh, drag racing people. And of course, it's build season for every drag racer right now. So they don't have time to keep up with us with building this stuff. And we, we made them a little bit too busy as well, making other products. So we're kind of stuck with our, you know, holding our hands. You know, well, so that's a, that's a bad negotiation that, you know, they have to have uh, the agreement there that they're going to work on your stuff first. Uh, <laughs> the help with the other things I'm sending you, I need my stuff fixed, need it ready. Ah, uh, yeah. Believe me, I, I wish, I could just, you know, pull an ultimatum on them, but when they're already paid and they have everything, it's like oh, man, it, yeah. they're holding the world in their hands, you know, and I have nothing. So I, uh, all I can do is just trust them and my sponsor, uh, you know, American Iron Off-Road, they, uh, they're really looking at to make sure this stuff keeps moving forward. Um, but like I said, American Iron Off-Road keeps them very busy. Um, at the machine shop. So we'll see. Eventually one day I'll have all that equipment in house. So I, have to I was going to ask, I was going to ask that. And especially when you said there's, uh, there's not that many shops out there. I thought, uh, that sounds like a, a, a niche that needs filling. It does. And there's so many other industries you can dabble in. So you will never have an issue making money. Uh, the problem is just the initial investment. I mean, you talk about a full CNC milling machine, you know, with a few axis uh, milling capabilities. You're talking, I mean, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars entry. Mm-hmm. It it gets up there pretty quick, so it's hard to fathom making that investment for one machine, let alone you needing more and then needing, you know three-phase power to your shop and everything else. So, adds up. So, the uh, looking at your, your Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, uh, Gearhead Tapworks, um, I see at the, the, the last post that you have there, it looks like it's on December 29th, and it's just a beautiful axle. Now, is that a uh, – I don't know enough about axles, to, to, so forgive me if that is a off-the-shelf type thing, but it looks like it's, uh, it's, it's made for, at your shop. Is, is that the case? Did you make that? Yes, uh, that axle housing is actually the 14 bolt axle housing that we uh, developed, and so I got to put everything into CAD, fit everything up as far as the third member, and, and like I said, that's based on a 14 bolt, so that would be out of a, a 2500, 3500 Chevy, and they used that 10 and a half inch ring gear and a solid axle. Um, but they used a general, you know, cast iron or cast steel center section. And those axles are stupid heavy. Oh, I bet. And, and they have no ground clearance. And so there was one other company that tried to do this a few years back, 
And unfortunately, they really screwed the pooch on it. And, you know, th- it always goes back to this one guy and they call it, they always talk about it, Doug's axles. <laughs> um, Doug, Doug bought like $25,000 worth of axles and never got them. Oh, <laughs> so that was another company that tried to do this. And uh, so nobody wanted to buy anything from that company anymore. But anyway, this uh, stuff finally working with this machine shop and American Iron Off-Road, we wanted to bring it back to the market and have people have a company they can trust in and finally have the ring and pinion coming in an aluminum. It's a billet aluminum third member that bolts into this fabricated housing and the fabricated housing I can carry around with one hand. Wow. Which you can't do with a 14 bolt housing. Sure. You know, a that's amazing. So, yeah. I, d- I would yeah. not have expected that. So uh, you don't have CNC. So this is just uh, <laughs> strips of metal that you've uh, cut uh, and uh, welded together and, uh, and then ground down for these, uh, these nice joints. At the simplest way. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it is it, slightly more than that, you know, oh, this stuff was, so I have a CNC plasma table, uh, here in the shop and I can do a lot of, I do a lot of prototyping stuff, make sure it all fits up and then I'll shell all that stuff out to a laser company that's local to me mm-hmm. if, for anything that is going to be, you know, maybe a few dozen runs of certain parts or brackets or whatever, but I made sure everything fit up. I sent it out to a company local to me and they lasered everything and bent it all. And basically I brought it back to the shop and it fit right up like a glove. I mean, it was the center section is four parts. Basically uh, you have the face plate, the middle bent plate, and then you have two side bent plates and that's it. I mean, it's all, it's more bends than welds. Oh, okay, good. That that's that's really good because I mean I, that's what I was wondering. I, I figured if you didn't have the thing, uh, the things that you needed to do this, I didn't think about that outsourcing. Of course, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's a, it's really pretty. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I know that's a, a strange thing to say, but uh, people that uh, look at these things and uh, know something about the, how they go together is just like, man, it's just beautiful, and it looks like it's uh, very very strong. Uh, what is the uh, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, each axle has like a uh, a minimum uh, tire size uh, that's uh, that you you have to look at because of uh, of ground clearance. What do you think the uh, the size tires that uh, should be on this? Well, for my class that we're running in racing, we are limited to 37 inch tires. Really? Um, wow! I yeah, had no but- idea. Yeah, if, if you go a class up, you can run any tire size you want. So I'm in 4,800. If you go up to 4,400, you can run anything. You can run 46s if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, for mine, we're stuck with 37-inch tires, DOT. Um, and that being said, I was originally running Super Duty axles, and you drag those on everything, Yeah, um, especially on 37s. With this housing, I have more clearance than I did on my Sterling, and I'm, you know, probably a few thousand pounds uh, stronger than I was then. So it, I think I have about, I think it's about three quarter, almost an inch more clearance than a Sterling with this housing. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I can see how this restriction to 37-inch tires really make you uh, have to figure out ways of getting the strength but also getting the clearance at the same time. And, it, and obviously the weight's important because it's a go-fast type thing as well. So uh, that's, it's pretty cool. I can see how the, the racing really makes a big difference for all of us, not just the racers. Yeah, absolutely. Because this stuff eventually, just like any main you know, OEM manufacturer has done in the past, you know, the old adage goes, you know, race on or win on Sunday, sell on Monday. <laughs> uh, it's the same concept nowadays, but a lot of companies use it to develop their parts and everything to make their OEM cars better. Uh, being that same concept, we're building an awesome axle housing, showing how strong it is. So Joe Schmo down the road with his JK that weighs 6,500 pounds to 7,000 pounds with a cage in it and a family and 42-inch tires, they can go run a overlanding trip over some really bad terrain and not have to worry as much about breaking an axle shaft or breaking a ring and pinion it's uh they'll probably the last thing on their mind when they put an axle like this under their rig oh yeah i would think so so we're talking to brandon at gearhead fab works uh and uh our zoom people uh, i mean i think i see chris wanting to ask a question chris do you have a question yeah this is chris from detroit and uh, getting back to the ultra four just curious to see a lot of builds what is the tech inspection like uh, compared to like a hate to say nascar or open wheel i mean what what is the parameters because it seems like everyone is hand building their own car and there's going to be variability <laughs> Oof. so there is there's a lot of variability uh as far as what you can do with the car but there are a there's a long l list of uh restrictions for each class and we have our booklet or whatnot we call it the bible and we follow that rule book to the t as much as possible because if you don't obviously you don't race and you'll scramble the day of and try to fix everything but they, they have everything set out so you know you have to have certain uh seats that meet you know sfi or fia uh requirements or you have to have your safety harnesses uh, minimum five point with a SFI rating of whatever, and they have to be within date. But you can go with whatever size or whatever color or whatever brand you want. So there's a lot of variability when you look at it that way, but there are minimums you have to meet. And so, you know, when we're venting everything, you have to vent all of your fluids or all your plumbing a certain way to make sure when you flip, which we all know you most likely will flip in Ultra 4, uh, when you flip, you don't want any fluid coming out whatsoever. So if I'm upside down, I don't want any oil or gasoline or anything pouring out, even though normally it would. Um, so you have to route it a certain way so it traps it inside of the engine or something still and those are things that, that they would look for in tech to make sure you pass all of those things and they're checking off those boxes but we're not at a point where we all have to run the same chassis or the same engine or the same drivetrain or anything it's not quite like that one day maybe it's doubtful though 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. No problem. All right. Anybody well, else with a question? 4,800. I'm sorry, Travis. Do, do that again. Well, when you say 4,800, it's still limited to a 37-inch tire size. It's still limited to a certain engine displacement, uh, if I'm correct or not correct. That, that's the one thing I don't know. It, it is, you know, as you increase in, you know, all of them across the board are that, you know, you're not going to leak. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Whereas in in the different levels there, it is, you can bring bring what you bring, but it's going to have this engine displacement. It's going to have this tire size in the classes themselves. And I could be way wrong on that, but that's how I've been led to believe. You are about 90% Ooh, correct. That's, that's better than usual, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, if you if you look at like the different classes, so f- for quick comparison's sake, uh, for 4400, completely unlimited. You do whatever you want in 4400. Run with your brung as long as you meet the safety requirements, and you, you're going out there in your death machine, and it is uh, most death proof as you can. You're allowed to race. Uh, as far as 4,800, we're limited to solid axles, 37-inch tires. I believe they got rid of the front engine only. They did allow rear engine. Um, I don't really find that beneficial yet, but we'll see how that happens. goes with other people. Um, and then you're pretty much unlimited from there. You can run whatever kind of steering you want, whatever else. You can only run one shock per corner, though. Now, if you go a class next to it, I guess, we'll call it that, 4,500, you're looking at 37-inch tires again, DOT. Uh, They can run two shocks per corner, but they have to be attached to the axle. So that's one benefit for 4,800 for me. I can run trailing arms, get a ton more travel out back, whereas 4,500, they have to run everything on the axle. Um, But again, they're limited to solid axles. And they have to have a mechanical linkage for their steering. So they can't run complete full hydraulic, which is a big limiting factor for me. I, I wanted a four-link front and unlimited you know, capabilities with my suspension. It has to be uh, full hydraulic steering. But yeah, I think the uh, couple other classes, you know, they, they run a little bit smaller tires and they have their limits. You know, go to stock class. You have to run essentially stock drivetrain uh, engine and stuff like that. You can run whatever transfer case, whatever axles, uh, as long as it all compares to stock type. I think that, you know, there's there's no limit to displacement for engines, though, anywhere 4,500 or up. So, Brandon, you said that you can do uh, front or rear engines now. Uh, how about uh, front and rear? <laughs> You know, that, that would be a cool thing to try to get it, uh, <laughs> get them both uh, turning at the same rate. <laughs> you know, are you limited, limited to only cool. front steering? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Can you have rear steering on uh, in the class that you're in? I cannot remember for the life of me. Um, I th- I'd have to look again. I know 4400 again, they can do front and rear steer. Uh, 4800. I don't know. 
So this is Larry again. So I see on your, uh, your site you got a the big rogue bander or bender. Are you uh, bending and uh, creating that chassis, or are you uh, buying that chassis from somebody else, or is that all your? Yeah. Creation? So that the chassis for the commando uh the jeepster is uh 100 my design um i ended up giving that design away to a couple of other guys to build and so i think there's uh three or four other chassis out there somewhere in the u.s that are being made basically to the same specs um one of them is uh has quite a few improvements to it and uh this chassis it's all right it's limited in a few areas, but I did build this in house and designed it myself. The I've already got another one that I've started designing, and uh, that'll be probably what I run in twenty twenty four. But that'll be in a little bit. Okay. Well, the cool thing is, if they're racing against you and and they win, you can say, "Hey, it's all it's all because of what I what I shared with you." <laughs> Without me, you oh, wouldn't absolutely. be a winner. Absolutely. <laughs> And when, and when they lose, I'll just say, dude, you shouldn't have listened to me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I did something to that one. So you, I, I always kept the secret sauce for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. So no, it, uh, it, it's super cool, though, to see, you know, people even remotely interested in this stuff. A lot of this just stemmed because I loved fabrication and really Jeeps in general. So I just uh, couldn't stop pushing the bar <laughs> so you know we, i've had all kinds of tjs uh jk's yj's everything else xj's pretty much every jeep connotation there is i've probably either owned it or driven it very cool all right so anybody else got any questions for brandon i mean my gosh is a treasure trove of information you guys uh, don't be shy jump in there and ask away yeah, hey, I've, hey, I've got one. Uh, this is Tony from Michigan. Uh, being that Michigan has a much different terrain than where KOH is held, do you find it hard to find a place to really truly durability test your rig before KOH or any big race? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Michigan, you know... You, Michigan's one of those places where I've always found you can you can make a trail as hard as you want it to be, but it, it's not really going to compare to KOH, I don't think. So uh, there's areas where you can tune your suspension, you know, like if we wanted to uh, really test it out, make sure the suspension is cycling how it should be and do high speed stuff, we'd probably go up north a little bit, um, I believe St. Helen. They have some areas right along the railroad tracks that are straight whoops for like three quarters of a mile. And you really want to tune your suspension. That's a great place to go or go out to the sand dunes or something. Um, other than that, you don't get those desert like areas remotely near Michigan. So there's no great place to tune. So you end up having to leave for KOH a couple of days early just to spend more money and tune your <laughs> suspension out there. So yeah, and then hopefully you don't break it. Stimulate the economy out there. Yeah. So do you have any, I mean, I know you're, you're just uh, getting into the uh, 4,800 now, but do you have any plans uh, for 
uh, going to the next class where you you don't have any limitations and <laughs> of course I would imagine the the pockets uh, the money pockets have to be much deeper to compete in uh, the uh, unlimited yeah oh gosh so to be truly competitive in 4400 man your your pockets you need two deep pockets at minimum um, it was crazy. You know, I actually asked that question on uh, Facebook not too long ago, just asking, hey, what's your guys' rough budget for this stuff? And they're talking like KOH. Some of these teams are spending $75,000 just for KOH. And that's not including their car. That's not including what they put into the build. That's just including getting there, paying exactly. for the team, eating. It's insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And this must be sponsors, so, right? Or they, uh, or they just want to spend money. I guess it's like uh, having a race car. You know, you can have a drug habit or you can have a race car, but you can have both. You know, I think there's a good mix of both. Uh, a lot of these teams have some good sponsors behind them, but the sponsors, really not many of us are sponsored to the point where we are uh, even breaking even. Sure. Uh, only a small small handful are actually getting paid to race uh one of one in which would be like lauren healy uh he's probably one of the few guys that is making a living doing ultra four um and he's a factory ford driver and so they brought out the ford broncos and everything a couple years ago and they've just been trying to to destroy every other car out there with what they can engineer. Yeah, they're doing, doing pretty good at it. So uh, that's unlimited budget. That's what happens. Well, that makes it good, though, because if you can come up with the right mix and the, the right amount of luck, uh, you can make a big name for yourself if, uh, if you beat those people. Oh, absolutely. And, and a lot of times, things, especially like KOH, it sometimes just comes down to luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those guys come out there, they put half a million dollars into a car and uh, all their spare parts and everything and they break within two miles of the starting line and then you have somebody who comes out there with a junkyard motor and everything and they just baby it the whole way and they make it to the finish line lo and behold they, they made it top 10 somehow and <laughs> it's, it's a it's a race of attrition for sure uh-huh. and so it's quite interesting but now, it, it, there has been talk about going up to the 4,400 class. Uh, we wanted to get this season out of the way, race 4,800, see how it went. This was going to be my rookie season, and it uh, it wasn't going to work out because for jumping up this season because I could not get my hands on enough 40-inch tires. I could only get five, and oh, wow. I called... I called Nitto and they kind of told me to get bent and said, there's no way we don't have, because it's 40-inch sticky tires. You have to be sponsored to get those from them, even to pay to get them. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. So I've been working with a couple of other companies and looking at running their tires, and next season we'll hopefully jump up to that. 4400 class but again it'll be a different chassis to make it more competitive um we'll see how things go a lot of this right now is just for fun it is a dream if i can make it a living uh racing and you know my wife is she 
she's even on board with it. So we'll see how long that lasts. But so far, she knows I love it, and she's got my back. So it's uh, yeah, next season, forty four hundred. We'll see. Well, that's a shame that you're not going to be able to go there uh, this year. Uh, it, I can imagine it's pretty frustrating uh, because uh, it, it, it's going to be a, another year, and you've uh, I'm sure you've put a lot of work and effort into uh, making it happen uh, for this year. So uh, I, I guess the bright side is you're saving money <laughs> and damage. That is very <laughs> true, very true, you know, and uh, – to compare it, just uh, over the summer, we took our the Jeepster out for its first debut uh, to Detroit Four Fest, and we were running around with Casey Gilbert. He was chasing me, and I was trying to gun it up one of the sand hills and trying to roost a bunch of sand into his face so he couldn't <laughs> see where I was going anymore. <laughs> trying to outrun him, yeah. and I hit the berm. It threw me off. And I don't know what happened, but I lost reverse and I couldn't back out. I was stuck down to the axles in sand and that was the end of the race and it destroyed my transmission. So that was, you know, that, that race alone cost, you know, a few thousand dollars. Luckily it was just a few miles down the road. So yeah. it would rather it happen here than KOH and realize I can't fix it. We'll have to get you, uh, you and Chris, uh, uh, together on some of those uh, Four Fest events. Uh, Chris has been uh, uh, hitting the the Four Fest events. He he went to the one uh, this the this past weekend, the Snowfest uh, that was actually I know the lack of Snowfest. Yeah, I, and, and I'm sorry, that. Tom, the Mud Fest. <laughs> I know, poor Tom. I swear, gosh, I meant to message him too and just kind of like you know give him a little pat on the back, like it, it was it was worth a shot. <laughs> oh yeah yeah no absolutely i mean and according to chris because uh, he lives in that area too that uh, snow is not unusual this time of year so it was a, it was a pretty safe bet of course he he sent me pictures uh, i think it was on sunday of uh, of the snow that was uh falling <laughs> i don't know how much of it, how much of it fell but you know uh and this isn't a four fest event uh interview but uh, I'll, I'll mention this really quick in, in case anybody's curious they had a huge huge turnout for the quote unquote mud fest so uh, I, I think it worked out very well for tom and uh, four fest yeah. events tom, tom's a hell of a guy and he puts on a pretty cool event and that was super cool because me and uh, casey gilbert got to help out with that over the summer at detroit four fest or in september rather mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted to bring he wants to bring an ultra four race to michigan and he was dabbling in bringing us out for Detroit Four Fest to show what Ultra Four rigs are and what they do. And so that's why he brought me, Casey Gilbert, and George Schooley out there and had us race. Just kind of tool around there, said, hey, go out there, have fun, give it 80% and uh, try not to break anything naturally we all gave it you know like 95 to 110 (laughs) so uh, i broke my transmission and casey gilbert flipped his car five minutes after that so (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's racing man nobody gonna be no doing this 80 percent shit (laughs) uh but it was super cool to work with tom and learn what it was like to be on the uh in the background of putting an event together Uh that guy goes 
goes and goes. I mean, he is crazy. He's the Energizer Bunny. Oh, did, yeah. did you know that? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I, it's. I told him. I, I actually called him the other day and uh, got uh, like an immediate voicemail. It was like two three days before the event. This this uh, uh, Detroit Four Fest event. And uh, uh-huh. so I, then I sent him a text message. I knew he was busy because it's right before an event. And I sent him a text message and I said that uh, don't worry about the call. That was just my test to see how important I am to you. <laughs> see if you'd actually call and before he read that he actually called me back so i was like he goes so now you have your answer (laughs) it was funny he's a good guy he is he really is yeah uh (laughs) so anyway uh anybody else anybody else got any questions about uh ultra four or uh axle building what what, actually let me ask you real quick uh, brandon what all do you do in the shop besides axles and building your uh, your jeepster so on top of that, I've also done uh, quite a bit of work of just building out certain brackets, components, stuff like that for uh, other axles, other chassis, uh, Jeeps, whatever. Um, I've done certain you know, body armor or fenders, um, under armor for you know, like a Jeep JK or something. I've done suspension work and redesign for like TJs and uh, CJs, YJs, all that stuff. So anywhere from four link, three link, pretty much anything under the sun for a uh, suspension. I- I've, I've probably done it or something very similar. Uh, I've worked on a few uh, drag racing cars, stuff like that. Um, you know, I've nothing as far as top fuel, but I've done some cars that see uh, the eights and nines as far as times on the drag strip. And most recently has just been essentially using my jeepster as a test bed for different components and building parts that i can produce at a uh, larger quantity so i can get those out to more people instead of just having you know one or two people wanting this and then you know 10 people wanting that um get some transmission case braces for uh the dodge 2500 uh because my 68 RFE blew up twice. I cracked the case in half and I was sick of that. So nobody made a brace the way that I wanted and where it broke. So I made it, it fit perfect. And so I sold five or six of them uh, without ever telling anybody that I build them. (laughs) And so silly stuff like that. Uh, Do a lot of axle swap stuff. Uh, cages, chassis. Yeah. Transmission work also. Yeah. (laughs) So far, I keep the transmission stuff to myself. (laughs) So I try not to build other people's (laughs) transmissions. I don't want to be responsible for it. Um, That's a whole different realm of things. But I love learning about it. And I like knowing what my transmission is like. I've fixed my transmission uh, after a professional trans guy uh, went in there and did some stuff to it. I had to take it back apart and fix what he messed up, unfortunately. Yeah, so, I hate it, I hate having somebody else do the, do work on my stuff because uh, they never care as much about your your vehicle, your stuff as you do. So uh, no. some of the some of the stuff I just have to have other people do because I don't have that that capacity. And if it's a daily driver, I mean, I, I always say I it, I'll, I'll do it and then I'll have to redo it two more times and then I then I realize what uh, what I've messed up and what I needed to do to make it successful. But you can't really live that way if it's a daily driver. 
Oh, absolutely. And a little insight into the way my brain works is essentially when I view a, let's say a transmission, for instance, I can almost visualize the whole transmission in a three-dimensional space in my mind. And so if I'm driving and brakes and how the car is acting and what it is doing, I can almost visualize exactly what just broke Mm -hmm. and almost tear everything apart, find that one piece and replace it. But the only reason I know that or know how to do that and can visualize that is because I went through that transmission, I built it and I know what it all looks like and how it all functions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't say that I've, about tried to, I've tried to articulate that exactly thing, that exact thing about when you do the work on your own vehicle, that you get a sense of what that noise or what that uh, what that feel what that must be uh, coming from, and know if you're going to be able to continue on and uh, how much damage is going to occur uh, if you continue on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It, it it gives you a sense of the machine, and there's by all rights, there's no reason for you to be able to, to decipher that. But just simply going through it, you you are, and sometimes you're. If you're like me, sometimes you're correct. <laughs> but yeah, it, absolutely. It, 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 oh, it feels good when you're correct. Yeah, yeah. It gives you, you always tell people. It gives you a better sense of of what what's going on, and and I kind of equate this to managers, uh, and it, not all managers are the same. But I kind of equate this to managers uh, for a technical. Uh, they they manage technical people. They don't know how the shit actually works. <laughs> That would just scare the hell out of me. It's like, okay, yeah, you can manage me, but if you don't know what I'm doing, uh, I, I can give you the Scotty stuff where it's, uh, I just tell you it's twice as long, and I when I do it in half the time, uh, I look like a miracle worker. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think a manager should be an expert. And by yes. definition, an expert is someone who has made every mistake. And uh, you know, that's uh, at least by one definition, mm-hmm. probably somewhere in Urban Dictionary. But Well, I don't think you're pushing yourself if you don't make mistakes. Oh, absolutely. You got to know what the thresholds are for everything. And then when somebody else comes to you and says, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, you can tell them, hey, don't do this. Hey, that much. <laughs> well, that's, that, that was your mistake was doing this. Yeah. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, we've kind of talked about uh, the social media things where people can find uh, find more information about uh, Gearhead Fabworks and Ultra 4 uh, Jeepsters. But you want to give everybody a quick rundown on your social media? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, either Ultra 4 Jeepster or Gearhead Fabworks. I, I run both of them. And then uh, I also run, uh, getting it back into it, but the YouTube stuff, uh, building some more videos and stuff out there, Gearhead Fabworks again. And then pretty much Gearhead Fabworks and everything else. I mean, TikTok, uh, Twitter, whatever. I don't think I actually use Twitter. I just have an account. So well, yeah, it's, don't it's, expect me to ever do anything on there. It's safe again. <laughs> you got to get on Twitter. Uh, Elon owns it. And boy, talk about somebody that uh, builds a crazy, some crazy things. Could you imagine if he got into Ultra 4? Oh, man, that would just be. You know, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I provoked him on Twitter and he never responded. So maybe that's why uh, I won't go back. Yes. I wanted him like, hey, man, I will build you an EV spec car 
four ultra four and he never responded so that bastard (laughs) (laughs) well brandon thank you very much for being with us and uh, don't forget you guys can join in on the zoom meeting our uh, roundtable episode uh, every tuesday 8 p.m and uh, don't get confused because you can listen to the roundtable that we've recorded on wednesday so the very next day you get to hear uh if you if you came into the zoom room and you asked a question or you answered a question you'll actually hear yourself on the jeep talk show i know who cares but some people think it's kind of cool <laughs> i always did when i would call in uh to uh talk shows uh, radio talk shows and uh, uh the, with the time delay and stuff actually i would record it so i could hear myself on the radio it was really cool it was a lot of fun i know i'm a big nerd <laughs> anyway uh join us every week uh, uh so uh it, it's either going to be a guest with question and answers or a series of jeep related questions for our our zoom room uh, members the uh, knights of the zoom room if you will the, the round table gets in there somewhere so <laughs> uh, we have our regulars but we uh, we can have up to 100 people in this uh, zoom meeting so tell your friends come in here have fun and uh, quite often the zoom room goes on for a long time after the recording and you're missing all that uh, people it's so funny people feel a lot easier uh, after the, uh, the the official recording has stopped uh, they uh, they let uh, all their questions and stuff comes out, so uh, you'll be missing some stuff here that uh, you can't get if you're not part of the Zoom room. So sign up for our newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you will get a weekly reminder about our Zoom meeting and uh, have the link and the password to get in. Anyway, have a great week, and thank you very much to all our Zoom members uh, that are here tonight and Brandon from uh, uh, Gearhead Fabworks. Broadcasting since 2010.